I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Spoko Radio, presented by Blackheart Gold Pants, SB Nation's community for the Iowa Hawkeyes. I'm your host, DC, back from Italy. With me, as always, my trusty co-host, Phil, and it's Jerry Sherwin. Jerry, how you doing? Arrivederci, David and David. I hope you had a wonderful trip in Italy, but it's back to have you on this side of the globe. It's great to come back to a team that lost two straight football games. Oh. Uh, also back from Italy, it's the people's champ, David Johnson. Champ, how was the rest of your time in Italy? Oh, it was wonderful. I've had pizza. I had pizza for like six straight days, that, you know, Italian-style brick oven. I was kind of sick of it by the last day, but it was still a wonderful trip. Got to watch the Iowa game today on my DVR, and I have some thoughts, and they're not going to be very good ones. Folks, he has the notebook back for a second consecutive week. It's not as, good. Which is not a good sign. But, Champ, to your point on pizza, I went from Italy, where I had pizza all the time, to New York City, where I'm now still having pizza all the time. I'm officially pizzaed out. And I don't know if I can take it on another slice if it was given to me for free. I don't point. even know if that was would have been possible in my mind until after this Italy trip. Like, I always tell my wife, I could eat pizza every day. But when I literally did that for six straight days in Italy, it's like I need a good three to four weeks off of pizza. What about gelato? Did you guys not have enough gelato? Uh, I actually only had gelato two times. They were both exceptional. That's not nearly enough. I did like a nice fruit gelato one time where it was like a lemon-strawberry combo. Ooh, that sounds good. And then I did a nice like chocolate in a cone gelato in Pompeii on my last night, and it was wonderful. Love Pompeii. Gelato is great, but no one's here to listen to the gelato flavors that we had over in Italy, so let's let's get to it, guys. Uh, reminder, everybody, subscribe to the show wherever you guys get your podcast. If you're listening, it helps us out a lot if you hit that subscribe, hit that follow button, share it with your friends, leave us a five-star review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Share, share, share this with your friends. It helps us out tremendously. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow at BlackCardGoldPants, at BHGP. Uh, the People's Champ is at Shy People's Champ. Jerry is at Jerry Sherwin. And I am at Dave Cray. Reminder that we have a voicemail line. Again, apologies for me being out of the country, not being able to play your voicemails. We did get a, a couple good ones during the course of the Michigan and Penn State games uh, that I thoroughly enjoyed listening to when I got back to hotel to the, my hotels and had Wi-Fis. But the voicemail line is 224-661-0909. We'll bring those back, starting with the Penn State or the Purdue game. Sorry, this week. 
Uh, so make sure you guys leave your voicemails. Again, it's 224-661-0909. Anything Iowa, anything Big Ten, we are game for it all. Guys, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I leave for two weeks. You guys let a football team lose two straight games. Now, I think based on the reaction that I was picking up on Twitter, a lot of people aren't very happy right now. And I think, Jerry, you have... You've kind of put the Iowa fan reactions to the to the team right now into tiers. Would you like to list those tiers off that you sent to us? Yeah, so this is going to be our outside zone this week. I want you guys to kind of rank the tiers of Iowa fandom. As you said, DC, I know you haven't had been able to spend too much time on Twitter, but it is a hodgepodge of thoughts and feelings and then people mad at other people's thoughts and feelings. As I tweeted out today, I wish there was a world in which we could be angry, but also still support a coach that we truly do love. And if he leaves, who knows if we're an eight to nine win football team consistently, but here are the, the tiers or the categories that I want you guys to tear off in Iowa fandom. You guys ready? Yes, sir. Ready. Number one, Angry at Iowa media for not keeping them them by them being the coaches accountable. This is yeah. already last, and I don't even hear anymore. Okay. Keep going. You, you have angry at Brian Ferentz. You have angry at Kirk Ferentz. Okay. You have angry at fans for being angry at the Iowa media and coaches. <laughs> okay. You have sad that Iowa will never be good, Twitter. And then you have the hopeless optimists that continue to tell you that, well, if Kirk or Brian were to leave, this team would be a four-win team. And do you want to be Illinois? Do you want to be like Nebraska? And they remind you of all the poor things that happen in college football to try to make you feel like eight wins every single season is just fine. So how are we ranking these teams or these groups? I think you're ranking them by, like, who is the most vocal and who you see the most of on Iowa Twitter when you log on. Because, like, there's even – honestly, you could probably have – there's one more, actually, I want to throw in there. Iowa media angry at fans for being angry at them because I don't know if you guys saw this or not, but Mark Morehouse (laughs) this week kind of threw some shade on another commenter uh, in in Iowa Twitter here. He's very – He's very highly followed and highly thought of, too. So there's just a whole lot of blaming and finger-pointing going on within the masses, and I want you to rank the ones that you hear the most of. So I feel like I hear the most or I see the most, and this is a great question because being overseas, you don't get the chance to watch the game. You're you're living largely based off of Twitter reaction that you're seeing, which some of you all really stink at play-by-play. I have no idea what's going on based on tweets that you you all are sending. So please, if... Help out your, your fellow Iowa fans who are not able to watch games. But that being said, I feel like the majority of people are... I, I think the most I see are people mad at Brian Ferentz. And I think some unfairly mad at players. And I don't think that was an option that you had there, Jer. But no, because that shouldn't be a thing. It, it shouldn't be a thing. But I do think it happens. And so I think you it's that and then it's Brian Ferentz. And I think Brian Ferentz is the most polarizing... Iowa coach that we have assistant coach let me clarify that we've seen in in probably ever maybe since Greg Davis is he more polarizing than Greg Davis yes because of the the fact that it's the head coach's son yes 
And so I think that's what you see the most. Champ, what do you what do you think you were seeing the uh, most on Twitter? That's what I see the most, and I don't see anything wrong with that because people should be mad at Brian Ferentz. I'm fucking mad at Brian Ferentz, and I have been for most of the season and for most of his tenure as Iowa's offensive coordinator. I got sold, we all got sold, a bill of goods by Brian Ferentz and this offense that it's going to be unique, it's going to be different, and they're not. It's the same old shit with Iowa. So these people on Twitter should be upset, and it should be their resounding majority of people angry at Brian Ferentz. I think another thing on Twitter that I see all the time is there is the eternal optimists that are like, well, you know, eight or nine wins is one co-host this podcast. Yeah, exactly. One, you know, eight or nine wins is all right. You know, this is still Iowa. Like, why? Why do we have to just be just Iowa? Like, why can't we be above that? Jerry was talking about Iowa going to the playoff this year. Like, why can't we think about that? You know why? Because we don't have a good enough offense. We don't have a good enough offensive play caller. So that is why we can't be having dreams like that. And these eternal optimists are morons. Like, this, it, we should have a little <laughs> bit higher expectations than seven or eight wins every year. Like, yeah, that's great. We get to go to the fucking Capital One Bowl and the Outback Bowl. Like, how fun is that? Like... Come on, I want to be better than that. So, Jared, do you agree with us? Do you see the same thing? So I think there's a big faction right now, and it's split. So where we all meet and then eventually end up hating on each other, excuse me, is the Brian Ferentz line, as you guys clearly mentioned. But there is a big, big faction between the optimists and the angry Iowa fans that yell at each other all the time. And they are always in each other's threads telling the other person that they're completely wrong. And we are not a political show. We are not a political website. But it reminds me a lot of that stuff where there's finger pointing and then the finger pointers finger point at the finger pointers. And then it's just a vicious circle from there. So I have spent a lot of time on Twitter after these last two losses. And I feel like people... There's just and that's why I tweeted today. There's no there's no middle ground that we all just want to agree in and live in. It's just you have to either be all in or all out on Brian. You have to be all in or out all out on the fact that Kirk hired his son and that it's either a good move long term or bad move long term. Or you are just sitting there and you're just letting all of it and reading all of it and you don't know what to think. I I think that's kind of where everybody's at. Or you just you're afraid to say anything because you don't want to get attacked. That, exactly. That's what, like you just sit there and you're like, well, I thought I hated Brian, but these guys over here are much louder than me, and I really don't <laughs> want to get attacked. And and I think that's a, a great point. Like no one, you have to have a side. You can't be in the middle. And, and I think at least the three of us try to. I think we have we have a outer shell that's realist, optimistic, in the middle type of thing. But I do think deep down we're all the three of us are very realistic when it comes to any any sports teams, any sports conversation. And so if you actually take the bigger picture of things, Brian Ferentz, like the Michigan game is the perfect example of that's being more on him. The run pass ratio being totally out of whack, something that's very coach that's coach centric that you need to fix from a game plan perspective. The Penn State game. The fact that the offensive line, the interior defensive line was getting beat so frequently is a injury thing, a depth thing, an experience thing. That's not on – that's just bad luck. We see it all the time. Everyone that was criticizing the Bears of taking a step back this year in the NFL was because they had so much good injury luck last year. 
Are we just going to get into this Penn State thing then now? Yeah, let's I, go. I got plenty to go on that, so let's go. <laughs> Jeff's notebook Be- is a Because I don't think I agree with that sentiment that you just said, DC. Because, yes, while it is unlucky, and I was definitely been more unlucky this year on the injury front, the fact that these inside linemen are not prepared to play Big Ten football in back-to-back weeks is 100% at least on Tim Polisek. But it also should be big time on Kirk because at the end of the day, his biggest thing is he's an offensive line coach. And if it, Kirk and Tim Polisek can't get these guys up and running at Iowa where this is supposed to be a lineman U factory, that is a big cause for concern. I agree with you. The other thing to keep in mind, though, is that Iowa, while being an offensive lineman factory, is still a developmental offensive lineman factory. Guys don't necessarily, at least in the, the interior offensive line, aren't stepping in and that goes back to what Scott Dockerman had in the piece in the athletic that this week it was Brian Ferentz said he could go find somebody at come and go and put them at offensive line well I don't think that's necessarily true because if that was the case I would have a ton of all pro and all conference and you know all American offensive line that feeds into my point I know it feeds into your point but I don't think that's true I think I think that there, there's development, there's work that needs, to guy, that needs to happen. Those guys that are playing last week against Penn State are backups on the depth chart for a reason. Like, I mean, that's all true. It, but when, when you're playing a game like they did against Penn State and Robert Windsor is absolutely controlling that game from the interior of the defensive line, adjustments have to be made. Put fucking Tristan Wirfs at guard if you're gonna if they're gonna just keep bull rushing guys the entire game right up the middle and getting pressure in Nate Stanley's face. For once, I don't even have to blame Nate Stanley for that game because he was getting hit in the mouth time after time after time. He literally had no time to throw the ball because Windsor and every linebacker that Penn State had was just rushing straight up the middle against our two shitty guards and our shitty center. Our center is not shitty. He had a bad game. He had an absolutely dreadful game. That was the worst I've ever seen an interior line play and and any level of football that I've ever watched in my entire life. They dominated that entire game. Iowa's offensive line Barely even put a hat on a hat interior-wise. Champ, you're right. But you're right to a point. They need to adjust when when they are getting beat consistently the same way over and over again. It's not sliding Tristan Wirfs to guard. It's changing your game plan a little bit to account for the fact that you're getting beat in a certain area. The, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Keeping Just keeping running the same plays, running you know outside zones, inside zones, you know, deep deep drop back passes, you're going to have the same result every single time. Move the pocket, play action, screens, draws, things that are going to slow down the interior yep. of, the offense, of the defensive line are things that needed to be called. So, yes, in that aspect, it should be on, it's on coaches to adjust to the personnel that they're on and yep. not be so stubborn to just be, hey, we're Iowa, we run the same core plays regardless of the opponent, right? A big thing now in football is having being game plan centric of changing your game plan week by week based on the opponent you're playing. You can also do it within a game and and have this similar success. You don't have to do it to the to a large degree. Oh, I agree 100%. Me and Jerry talked about this after the Michigan game, that they should have thrown more screens. They should have thrown, got the ball out quicker. They didn't do it that game, and they didn't do it against Penn State. They had a lot of deep dropbacks where Nate would get smacked in the mouth. They had a lot of shotgun snaps where Makai Sargent 
Olayed on guys. He didn't touch guys running through. He It was one of the worst running back blocking displays I've seen out of a running back in my tenure watching Iowa football. The amount of times Makai Sargent whiffed on a blitzing linebacker or even a rushing end coming off the end and he just didn't touch him. It, it's like, what are you... He shouldn't be playing. If he can't b- bring blocks... That's the thing. A, He's a, usually a run- able to. Well, and that, that brings me to... That brings to the point. He might be hurt. He might be injured. He is. I mean, it's clear that he's injured. I mean, ever since the Iowa State game, he hasn't been playing the same. He's not. He can't pick up blockers. And if he's usually been a very good pass blocking running back. So if he cannot do the job, you need to put someone in there that can. Whether that's one of the running backs or bringing in one of your fullbacks to pass protect. That's his job is to pass protect a fullback. Passing, protecting, and run blocking for your running back. So if he can't, if they're, if the running backs can't do it, put your fullback back there and help Nate Stanley out. I mean, it's inexcusable. I mean, another horrible called game by Brian Ferentz, not adjusting, and it's just it's week after week now. It's like the same story. That's why it can't be all about execution anymore. Like, there's got to be some blame, and unfortunately, I think Tim Polisek's going to be one of those sacrificial lambs at the end of the season that's going to get nicked. And everybody's going to be like, well, see, we, we realized we weren't doing some good things. So we got rid of Tim Polisek to bring in another new guy. And Brian will get another chance. And Kirk's going to stay here forever. And that's just the way things are. That's that middle ground that we all just need to come to accept. And, and it's fine. It's reality. It's, it's okay to accept reality. But the fact that Kirk right now is 9-22 and all time against top 10 teams and the fact that Brian Ferentz in the last three years continues to adapt and continues to show us little shrivels of hope but then goes back to like running five wide in obvious running situations, but then he wants to pass in easy running situations. And sometimes on third and really, really short and or inches, he doesn't want to do the QB sneak, but then other times he wants to do it. Like there's just no consistency with our offensive coordinators, and it hasn't been that way since we've been on campus. How many top 20 defenses have we seen in our fandom that have been blown away because the offense cannot score, can't move the ball, can't even get past the 50, and then the, or the special teams fuck it up. And this is what I texted you when I was rewatching the Penn or when I was watching the Penn State game was when you have such a dominant defense, your 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 offense like that, and that's the most frustrating thing. In the first half of the 50, and the Iowa half of the 50, they are moving the football. They are moving the ball and getting yards. It's when they get into opponent territory where they turtle up and they are afraid to take chances at the end zone because they don't want to turn the ball over. They'd rather kick a field goal or punt the ball than you take a shot down the field when in reality, if you throw a deep ball and it gets picked off at the one-yard line or in the end zone, you have a top-20 defense that is going to take that top 10 right now and either get you the ball back or force a punt. Because guess what? Jerry, you had a stat that you sent to us earlier today about the number of punts that Iowa's forced this year. Oh, Jesus Christ. 44 punts we've forced, and we've returned nine of them. Nine. And part of that is because you're not getting the ball deep down in in the opponent's territory with them taking over. They're punting in a short field, so they're able to flip field position, and you're right back where you started when you're inside your own 10, inside your own 15, and having to move the ball 80, 85 yards to get frickin' any points. Or, as what happened twice in this game, you turn the ball over and you give Penn State short fields, and then Penn State goes and scores 10 points. That's exactly what happened in this game. 
Goodson fumbles, gives Penn State the ball at the 17-yard line. Somehow the defense holds him to a field goal. Then later in the game, Nate Stanley throws an interception in his own territory, and Penn State scores a touchdown. That's 10 of their points in this game were based off of turnovers, and it was the exact same thing against Michigan the week before. I, I mean, it, it's just it's, it's so like Groundhog Day. It's, it's so frustrating. Watching, watching the same thing over again, and then they're not doing anything to correct it. I, it, I, it baffles me. It's like a wave of emotions as you bring up like a couple plays and like two other plays stick out that you're just like, oh, I want to bring that up too. But again, like if Polisek and Kirk get the offensive linemen to actually play and are ready to play Big Ten football against two teams now, two teams in a row that they knew that were going to over-pursuit and be super aggressive and fast, if they were ready to play those teams, Goodson doesn't fumble that one pass. Nate probably still throws that pick, but Goodson at least doesn't get hit 20 yards behind the line of scrimmage and then fumbles that football because that dude got a free release. I think oh, it was Linderbaum, but I'm not the, sure. And on the but, interception, Windsor hit Nate straight in the mouth on that throw, and he didn't couldn't even step into it, and that's what happens. But but here, I'm like, I'm gonna stand by this point: is that when you're into the second and the third string in the depth chart, like those guys aren't the same caliber. Yes, I agree that Iowa should be able to get guys ready to go, but any football team across the board, with the exception of Alabama, when you're in the backups, you're not. The guys aren't as talented for a reason. If they were, they'd be the starters. DC, I normally totally agree with you. Absolutely. 100%. But the fact that Kirk comes out and says that he can get a guy off the fucking come and go to come fill it. Like, I can. That's, I, like, but that's Brian, not Kirk. But, yeah, that but, wasn't Kirk. I don't fine, know that's Brian. But that's Kirk. still an OC who's setting but, these guys up and are calling the plays. And he's part of this coaching staff who is probably the biggest voice in the locker room. Again, you say things. It's like this whole LeBron thing right now. You say one thing and then, like, it can't be the other. And again, I don't want to get all political and shit, but like Brian, if you tell me that you can go pull a guy that's six foot three off the come and go scooter and put him in the game, then they should be able to block. Are there are there that many six three guys you're seeing at come and go in Iowa City? That Actually, probably. Champ is one athletic, of them. That are athletic enough to play co- big time college football. Twinkle Toes over here could have easily put on some pads and played a little I bit mean, of guard. I couldn't have played worse than the interior offensive line play this week. <laughs> I mean, at least I would have put my fat ass in front of someone and not let him just truck me over and kill my quarterback. Champ would at least like held him and taken him down with him. Yeah, at least get. A, I'd much rather them that on that interception that Nate threw his would hold Windsor so Nate could step up and make a completion as opposed to him throwing an interception. I'd much rather have first and twenty from your own, you know, fifteen instead of Penn State having the ball going down for an easy touchdown. So, it's just a waste. This defense is so goddamn good, and we're wasting it. Every year this happens. I know. And it's, again, like, even on that that drive before the half, Nate missed an easy slant to Brandon Smith, and we couldn't score a touchdown. That was four-point difference. There's been so many things. So my question for you guys is, after coming back and re-watching these games, and, and I want you to take in consideration the Iowa State game, too. Iowa State had to we had to, they had to run into their own man for us to win that football game because I think we're all under the impression that Iowa State was moving the ball so good that they would have moved down to kick a field goal in that game if they did receive that punt perfectly. Uh, I disagree with that, but get to your question. Yeah, Do, is is Iowa a good team? Are they an average team? Where are you on the Iowa spectrum right now? Like we all know what happened with Penn State. We can blame the execution. We can blame the coaches all we want, but like. Where's Iowa? Record-wise, are they good? Where are you both at? Champ, go ahead. They're a slightly above-average team, in my opinion. They have a great defense, 
and right now a below average offense. So when you put those two together, you have a slightly above average football team that'll beat shitty teams like they have, and they'll lose to good teams, whether it's at home or on the road. They just they don't have enough offensively right now to get it done. I and said they needed this week, during our show last week, they needed to score 30 points against Penn State. If they score 20 they points against Penn State, they win this game. That's how good the defense played, and they couldn't even do that. Could they have scored 30 points total in the last two weeks and one? Yeah, if they score 20 this week, if fuck, if they scored 18 this week and 11 last week, that's, you know, 29 points, and that's winning both of those games. I don't know how you're going to get to 18 and 11, but figure it out. Do you guys know that Iowa still has a positive point differential in Big, in Big Ten play? That's because Rutgers. Well, yeah. Right, but also the defense. They've lost two games where they did not given up many points. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as last year. They lost four games last year by under a touchdown every game, and they're probably going to do the same exact thing this year. What's amazing that, is that the defense isn't turning the ball over two, and they're still that good. Right, but that stat champ just said is the reason why that this is just a good a good Iowa team, not a great Iowa team. Good, Great Iowa teams win those one-score games. They have their... They take down the top 10 teams at home. That's why everyone kind of thought, hey, if you know this this Iowa team's going to be what they are, they're going to beat Penn State under the lights in Kinnick with the alternate uniforms. And they the offense just looks completely lost. It, it's a combination of everything. Jared, going back to your, your tiers or your categories of Iowa fans, it's a little bit of everything. Every kind of thing applies. Yeah. There, I think there are some injuries that, that the – fan base that the public doesn't know about and whoever's job it is to kind of figure that stuff out and, sh- and share that information i'm not going to say who should be like how people should do their der- jobs the media but, should be finding that out dc but i think that there's some there's part of that and that's whether it's the head coach the offensive coordinator something like not wanting to tip your hand at who's really who's more hurt than what they are but that the play calling the like fans going back and forth of wanting to be wanting Iowa to be greater than what they have been, people happy with the way things have been, like all of that is true. But I think as it relates to this year and this team, it's just a good Iowa team. Can I bring up one point about your injuries? If I'm going to go back to Makai Sargent, if Makai Sargent isn't healthy enough to play, you have Torn Young and you have Goodson that have shown that they are capable of playing. So just play those two. You have two above-average running backs. Makai Sargent isn't 100%. Sit him down until he is because he's doing no good for this football team playing at 65 70% and not picking up you know, rush plays and not getting blitzers that are coming in and, and doing really nothing. So what is the point of him playing? Same thing goes for the guard play. Like the Paulson Twins, God love them. They're great. They have great personalities. But like – I understand that they're seniors, but put the kids in. At this point, like, even then, like, let's just get the kids, like, some actual reps that matter. The Paulson Twins aren't getting the job done. Obviously, I mean, they've the never been able to. the kids weren't getting the job done on Saturday either because they played and they looked like absolute crap. So Better than getting the reps not than the other guys, talk though. talk about how we need to play these kids that are so, going to be so up and coming because they don't look like they can get it done. So maybe they need some more practice reps first, and then we can play them. Let's take a quick break. And we'll come back. We'll we'll uh, we'll t- we'll tie this back to the rest of the conference because I want to kind of build on something Jerry just asked. We'll take a quick break and then we'll kind of go into the Big Ten as a whole as where kind of Iowa fits in. We'll be right back. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. 
This is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. We are back. So, Jerry, you mentioned, like, where do we think this Iowa team's going to be? Is it going to be good? Is it going to be a little bit above average, below average? What, what not? One of the things we we're going to get into today was kind of tiering the Big Ten. I think we've seen a lot, we've seen enough games on the conference to understand kind of where the, the, I would I want to say powering, but where kind of the the top of the conference is, where the, what the middle of that conference is, and what the bottom of that conference is. Iowa is squarely to answer to your question, Jared, is in the middle of the pack right now with a bunch of other schools that they are still playing this year. So to me, it makes sense. Like the Nebraska, Minnesota. Yes, I know they're undefeated, but they're still in the middle of the tier, middle tier to me. Michigan, Michigan State's Purdue. Like everything's still above to see truly where. I, this this Iowa team is going to be a little bit above average, eight and four, nine and three, like whatever, or if it's going to be seven and five, six and six type of year. Am I crazy saying that like all these games against similar opponents is going to be kind of how we determine what this Iowa team is? Not necessarily Wisconsin coming up or Penn State or Michigan who they lost to. No, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think that's spot on. I think they're. There's a definite middle tier, like you mentioned, the teams that you've talked about. Minnesota. I even throw Michigan in there. They lost to Michigan. That's fine. Minnesota, Michigan State, Maryland, Nebraska, Purdue, Indiana. All those teams are kind of very similar, whether they're, you know, two and four right now to four and two. They're all pretty similar teams. And yeah, if if Iowa can beat all of those teams left on their schedule, they're gonna finish no worse than nine and three. So if they can beat those teams, nine and three, I guess. To me, that's not above average, but I guess, uh, to me, that's not a great team or even a good team. I just would put that as an above average team, considering some of these other teams in the Big Ten. But yeah, if they can get it done and beat those teams, then yeah, they're probably going to go 9-3. and three. They'll probably play on New Year's Day, and then yeah, I guess you can say that's a pretty good Iowa season. The problem for me with that is that this Iowa team is built like all of the other successful Iowa teams in the past. And going into this season, and even last season, they had all of the opportunity to go and seize being in that upper tier. They had a real opportunity to unseat Wisconsin, but instead, here we are looking up at them again. And so, yes, like this season now, unfortunately, is going to come down to can they beat the remaining Northwestern, Minnesota, uh, Nebraska, Illinois, Purdue on their schedule. But that's not the that's not what we were holding Iowa to. That's not like. That's just not what it was supposed to be. No. Nope. Like, they were supposed to be up in that upper tier. So, I and I agree with you. I think we all thought that going into this season. But if you look at the fact that Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State are all 
top 10 teams. They're all right in the contention. They're all, I think, the only three teams we each have left in our Big Ten playoff contender teams. But it, is it is it wrong or is it unfair to think a, a conference, like this is a conference overall, can have four teams that are realistically in that conversation every single year? Or is well, it, I think is, two from each conference seems acceptable, and that's what I think you want. Two, you mean from each division? That's what, correct. Yes, yeah. Like I mean, realistically, you want two. You, like realistically, in the perfect world, and if this were the case, it's you want Michigan and Ohio State with a Penn State or Michigan State every now and then. If they unseat Michigan or unseat, unseat Ohio State, they're in there, right? But those are two elite teams. And then in the West, you have the same thing with Wisconsin usually there, and it's either Iowa or Nebraska, and then maybe a Minnesota every now and then too. Now that they have PJ Fleck, but there should be two elite teams battling it out to the end of the season. And now Iowa's already out of that picture, really, because we're already deeming Wisconsin a loss. Yeah, I and mean, we have been probably flat for a while. out, flat out against Wisconsin. They have to beat Wisconsin to even have any realistic chance at winning the West, and they're probably not going to do that. And even if they beat Wisconsin, it's still not a guarantee that they're repping the West in the Big Ten championship. And that, to me, pisses me off and is sad. I mean, let give it, give me a, a game <laughs> against Purdue to kind of right the ship here, and maybe I'll talk myself back into playing playing Wisconsin tough like Northwestern did. But that's the other thing. Do you see the rest of those games outside of Wisconsin? Then at that point, like, yeah, Nebraska has four wins, but the rest of them have five total. So it's just like, womp, no, womp. I, like they, we're holding Iowa. Like Iowa's on the short bus again, and we're just like, yeah, they're the, they're the good, best looking one. Like. Okay, well, I think beggars can't be choosers. You can only, it goes back to 2015. You can only play who's on your schedule. Correct. And Iowa continuously does not do what they're supposed to do when it comes to winning these football games. And I, they depend yeah. on luck. I forgot who I read earlier that made this point. It might have been Docterman. But it's just like basically every year Kirk goes in there hoping that they just get lucky. And they have, they've been lucky like twice. Well, and I think that he's also mentioned that this is the way the the program operates. They want to play one score games. They want to play these close ball games, and they truly believe, right or wrong, that execution and, and out executing is going to be the difference in those games. Which is not, it, to me, that's not the the way you should be coaching football teams in the year twenty nineteen. And this this always this comes back to the conversation the three of us always seem to have with some of our Iowa friends. Like, what is the accountability for this program? Do we demand that they are a 10-win continuous team like the Nebraska fans did? Or are we always going to be happy if they continue to win 7-8 and go to a bowl game and give everybody a nice vacation in January? Like, what do we want? It's literally split with the Iowa fans. Half of them are like, all right, 7-8-9 wins. I'm fine with that every year. They're consistent. You know they're going to win games. They're going to lose some close ones, but blah, blah, blah. And the point of the matter is when you want to talk about Kirk wanting to execute and win these close games, they're not doing they're it. They're not executing. And they didn't do it last year. So, and what time, why are we, why are we having to play these one score games if they can't win them? Why not go out there and beat a team's ass? Why does it have to be a one score game? Why do you have to coach that way to make it be a one score game at the end for then you to lose that game by that said one score? Why does that have to happen? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense, and and I think if it continues to go this way, if they lose a one-score game to Wisconsin, if they lose another one-score game to some other stupid team left on the schedule, it's that's two straight years of of disappointing 
one score leaving a sour taste in your mouth losses that I would hope, I hope, incites kind of some self-evaluation at the, at the coaching level on w- how do we get ourselves out of this situation? And maybe that's the only way that it can get there. Has it, I can't remember, and granted, we don't have the longest history of, of this team since we've been at, since the three of us have been at school, but I don't remember having back-to-back years of just excruciatingly close losses. Like, usually when it got bad, it's been bad, and when it was good, or when it was like a one-score one score season full of losses, the next year it kind of bounced back. It kind of writes that ship. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't remember a year, you know, back-to-back years where you've lost a combined six games by one score. It's I, – I don't know. It's, I, don't I can't know believe. I don't know what the record is either, and I but I, I'm pretty sure it's not great for Kirk in these one-score games. No. And, and see, I don't know if you're able to read my piece from last week on Blackheart Gold Pants, but he's basically a coin flip after a loss I, too. I did read this, yeah. And it's just like – so Kirk Kirk wants to talk about all this stuff, but like in in one-score games, he's he's maybe a coin flip at best. In games after a loss when you would think that they would like want to come out there and make sure they don't lose two in a row, he's a coin flip. Like the execution just continuously is always seems to be missing in one phase of the, the team. Like it's just – I love Kirk, and I love what he means to this this team, but it's hard when you just want to win football games and be up there with Wisconsin. There's no reason we shouldn't what? be Wisconsin. You, you just talked about you know games after a loss. What If we want to be up there with the big boys, when is the last time you remember Ohio State or Wisconsin losing back-to-back games? Wisconsin lost a lot of games last year. remember Ohio State losing two games in a regular season, let alone back-to-back games? It just doesn't happen. And that's why they're always going to be, until something changes, they're going to be higher than us. They're going to be in a higher tier. And I guess we're just going to have to live with that. It sucks, but that's how it is. Does, does Phil Parker make this team better if he was yes, head coach? Yes, 100% he does. As the head coach? If it's between Phil Parker and Brian Ferentz, then yes. I don't what know. if it's between Phil Parker and Kirk Ferentz? I, that's a good question. I don't know about that. That's, would be <laughs> tough. That would be a tough call. Um, I don't, I think it's probably the same if he was the head coach, to be honest. I mean, he's been here his entire time. I mean, Phil's been here Kirk's entire tenure. So, I mean, it's not like he hasn't learned under Kirk. So if, if, if they hire, I swear to God, if, if Kirk retires after this year, next year, and they don't hire Phil Parker to be his replacement right now, it would be absolutely moronic. It honestly, it really would. The way the season's going so far, champ, I don't think you're going to see Kirk Ferentz walk out on this note. I don't either, but I maybe he's just so fight upset and fed up that he does, and well, then we'll see what happens. No, what's going to be interesting is when this Hogan kid comes into town, and like he has this ability to do things that Iowa quarterbacks they don't like them doing, and like I just what's going to happen. A good, it's a good question. I don't know what's going to happen, but I was thinking about this. Did his, Was Brian Ferentz, he wasn't the offensive coordinator when Nate Stanley was recruited, right? No. This is Brian's third year. Nate's a fourth year, so no. This so, is a Greg Davis guy. So is it weird to think what Brian Ferentz does with a quarterback that he's identified as wanting as his team? Like a few, like if it's if it's Deuce, right? Like it's somebody. Obviously, Brian's seen 
he thinks he's going to fit in the offense well. Is it going? Is it going to change the offense? Maybe because they can't block interior linemen, so running quarterback maybe gets a little more time to throw the football. But do you see what I'm saying? Like, is there some is there some truth to the thought that this offense is stalling out for whatever reasons because Brian, for whatever reason, doesn't trust his senior quarterback to run the offense as he sees or as he wants it to be run? Who was Brian the center for? Was it Drew Tate? Yes. Maybe DC. It's just a thought. I don't know. I, there could be little, like I don't, I don't like. I personally don't believe it because I Neither think you have a guy like Nate. You, <laughs> thank you, champ. Because you just you have a guy Nate who has all the measurables, right? He's he is a he could should be a a program leading quarterback by every every measure. But maybe there's something to it. He's not as mobile as Deuce. I don't know. Do you think Nate's mentally strong? No, not at all. I don't think he... I'm really or, questioning it, too. Him or his guy, his man calling the plays, neither of them are. They're both mental midgets, honestly. That's what I... When I when I think of Brian Ferentz, I think of... That's exactly what I think of. He's a mental midget. He can't... When things are going wrong within a game, he can't adjust. He gets fired up. He's yelling that's, at officials. He's getting ridiculous penalties on the sideline. And he's just not adjusting to the fact that a senior defensive tackle is absolutely dominating his fucking offense the entire game, and he's not doing anything about it. But the thing is, Brian does make these little subtle adjustments that work for like six plays in a row, and then it just disappears. And then you know what happens? He he remembers that he's Brian Ferentz, and then they <laughs> fuck it up again. The old pumpkin. Gets down it, to the 40, and then they lose 17 yards, and we've got third and 20 all of a sudden. It, it's one of those things where I think he gets into a rhythm when something's working. He he goes back to that well over and over and over again. But then it becomes predictable, and he doesn't know how to become unpredictable and successful again. Speaking of predictable, I read a stat today. You guys probably did as well. Iowa this year on first down has thrown the ball and had incompletions on 30 plays after first down throws. On second down, 21 of the next 30 plays have been runs. So you're starting off second and 10, and then you're running into second and 10 and being predictable about it. In yeah, what but, way is that intelligent? But I think that, I think if you looked at football overall, I think that's a case for a lot of schools, a lot of teams. Well, I think there's so a lot of people the who trend. don't. Why not buck the trend? Why, I, it's I obviously agree with you, not but I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't criticize Brian Ferentz for that decision because I think that's football. That's football wide. That's football. Well, yeah. start thinking outside the box a little bit, Brian. <laughs> Brian. Brian. <laughs> God, he gets Damn it, so Brian. Upset. All right, well let's uh, let's try to tr- flip the page on this. Let's go to the Purdue game this week. I don't know how you guys want to want to preview this game, but do you have a key? What do you want to see? Thing to watch? What do you want from this week of Great versus Purdue? Jerry, we'll start with you. I mean, you have to score forty points this week or, or more. Purdue is so banged up. They're playing all these freshmen and sophomores all over the field. You have to run the football. Like, There's just no excuse. Nate needs to come out there and throw six touchdowns. Like, just be done with it. I think that's a little unrealistic, but Champ, what do you think? Well, you asked me what the key is. The, the key is definitely to take advantage of Purdue's lackluster defense and banged up defense and score a shit ton of points. You're, Jerry's right. They have to. I mean – 
it's it just they're Purdue is not a good football team. Yes, they played well last week. They roughed up Maryland a little <laughs> bit. That's fine. But their Purdue's defense is below average. One of the worst units in the nation, to be honest. And the Nate best Stanley, players banged up. Exactly. And Nate Stanley at home. There's no excuse for him not to throw for 300 yards and four or five touchdowns and them to just light up the scoreboard. So if that doesn't happen, then we're... Then it's Petrus time. It's not Petrus time, but it's... it's, it's but why? May, it's maybe it's, Brian it's, Ferentz should be fired time. I was going to say it's Ken O'Keefe time. Yeah, it might be Ken O'Keefe time. I He's never going to be more. fired. Well, they're not going to pull a senior quarterback. I can guarantee you that. Kirk will make a phone call to Belichick first, being like, hey, can you just get my son on the staff and like we can make this look no, good? No, it'll be Bill O'Brien and the GM-less Houston Texans. Ugh. Seriously, though, like, Brahms 2-0 against Iowa right now. What if they lose and Stanley struggles against the Purdue defense I, and he's I just seeing think, ghosts I, out there? I don't think this is, like, a layup win for Iowa. None I of these see, games are layups anymore. I see the line is 17-and-a-half <laughs> going into this game. and Way too many. If I were a betting man, I'd take Purdue in those points all if, day. Wait, I know, if you were a betting man. I mean, I'm not, you know, it, it's just not smart for you not to take Purdue in the points. The way Iowa's offense has played the last two weeks, they've scored one touchdown. I have this bad feeling in my stomach about this game. Let, let's get. And let's then get Northwestern up. too. Oh, that yeah, Wisconsin. Oh. See, I'm not as I'm not as defeated as you two are. Maybe it's just coming into it with like way lower expectations of these games that I watched and not being. It wasn't good. Don't get me wrong. I th- I think it's because you knew that it happened without right. watching what happened. You didn't have to watch that Michigan game and agonize the entire day. You didn't have to watch the Penn State game around a bunch of people from Pennsylvania. Yeah, that would suck. In a bright yellow coat and all of them be like, oh, are you guys ever going to score a touchdown again? <laughs> and then Brandon Smith has to make the most immaculate catch of the entire college football season for us to even score one. And honestly, like let's just stop, let's not pretend with each other. Brandon Smith had to literally make a top ten play for us to score a touchdown in like what is it eight quarters of Big Ten play? Nine. It's true, but like let's not forget the fact that Penn State wasn't lighting it up on offense either. I yeah, know our defense is great. We have an exceptional defense. But that's what I'm that's what I'm saying Purdue. is like the other teams is out there to stop you, and Penn State's defense is really good. I know I've been saying that all season, but yes, there's you have. But Nate and this this is the deepest team Iowa has ever had at the skill positions, and we can't move the football past the thirty. And yet Oliver Martin can't play. He's, we're just so good offensively that we don't even need to play Oliver Martin. Nate, Nate know, honestly t- might be finally broken. Tyrone Tracy is just so good with all the drop passes that he has every week that Oliver Martin can't sniff the field. <laughs> this is miserable. All right, let's get the picks. Let's wrap. Let's wrap this miserable show up. All right, guys. Uh, we'll start with Indiana at Maryland. Uh, Indiana is a six-point favorite. Who do you got? I got, I got Maryland plus six at home. Uh, I'm also going to take Maryland plus six. They better play a little bit more defense than they decided to last week against Purdue. I, I'm taking Indiana. Next up, Wisconsin's at Illinois. Wisconsin's a 31-point favorite. Wouldn't it be nice to be a 31-point favorite versus a team you're supposed to kill? Anyway, I'm going Jared, who to you score 31 points in two games combined, let alone be a 31-point favorite. Jerry, who are you picking? I would like to just be a Badger. I should have just gone to Madison. Wisconsin. 
Man, this is really taking a turn for the worse. Now Jerry is questioning the school choice he went to on an Iowa podcast. <laughs> Champ, who are you picking? I, if this line were 71 points, I would take Wisconsin. <laughs> so give me Wisconsin minus 31. But you're not a betting day. man. Not a betting man. All right. I will also take Wisconsin. Uh, next up, Ohio State is going to Evanston to play Northwestern. Ohio State's a 28-point favorite. Champ, who you got? Sus. Not even close to enough points. I don't think North. I think Northwestern gets shut out in this game, 45 to nothing. <laughs> Chair. I don't know. It's Freaky Friday in the Big Ten <laughs> at Northwestern. I, things could get weird, but not this week. Ohio State just completely demolishes this garbage team. It's a rematch of the Big Ten Championship game from a year ago, and it's a rematch of Ohio State running away and hiding. Ohio State, easy. The undefeated Minnesota Golden Gophers go to Rutgers. They are a 28.5-point favorite. I will kick things off, and I will take the Minnesota Gophers, but I will still not give them any credit until they play a good team. Jer, who are you picking? I'm taking the Gophers. They're going to stay undefeated like I predicted all along. Champ? I'm taking Rutgers in the points. I, Minnesota just can't pass the ball, yet they Champ, still do you, keep... Do, do you realize how bad Rutgers is? I know, but they're getting four-plus touchdowns at home. So give me Rutgers. You could give me six touchdowns, and I'd probably still take Minnesota. Yeah, I, I think Rutgers is going to surprise some people this week. Uh, real quick, real quick, real quick. Champ, you realize that Tanner Morgan has more yards than your boy Justin Fields, right? I, I understand that, but... It's, I mean, you said they couldn't pass the ball. This dude literally has more than the guy that you get on your knees and he, sometimes want to. He's a, how many? How many more games has he played than? A, yeah, a game, if that. I don't know. Is it? I, it's at least one. I think they've played two more games, but no. How Ohio, has Minnesota played two more games than Ohio, Ohio State? Ohio State's five and zero. Minnesota's six and zero. So they've played. No, one they're more both game. six. They're and both 0. six and zero. They haven't played any more games. Okay, well then I don't know. Apologize if that's, to Tanner Morgan. I'm gonna have to look up the stats to verify that. I don't. I know just told correct. you the stats. Apologize. Sorry. All right, we're going to the We Beat Iowa Bowl. It's Michigan versus Penn State. Ugh. Penn State's a seven or a nine point favorite at home. Jared, who do you got? Uh, Penn State. There's they're still the second best team in the Big Ten. Champ. They're not the second best team in the Big Ten. Uh, you keep disrespecting Wisconsin. But I just said I wanted no, to go there. No, no, no. He's disrespecting Ohio State. Oh, okay. That's even more ridiculous, but all right. Uh, I actually like Michigan in the points here. I like Penn State. All right, let's wrap it up with this miserable game that we have to watch this week. Purdue's coming to Iowa City for homecoming. I was an 18-point favorite as of Way too many. I will not even score 18 points. I'm going to take Purdue in the points, but Iowa wins. Champ, who do you got? Uh, I think Iowa wins 24 to 20, so I would definitely take the points. And Jer? I'm taking the under and the points. What's The under, I think, was like at 43 and a half or something like that. Uh, I see it at, this might not be right, but I see it at 48 and a half. Oh, my God. Under and the points. <laughs> just, just take them. Take them all. Jesus. All right, guys. Well, I don't know if we feel any better after this week, but uh, we're all back together. No, we together. haven't fixed or figured out anything. We're back together. Well, we don't ever fi- fix or figure out anything. We don't get access to anything to fix. Right, one question before we go. If I hired Bob Stoops next year and he wanted to come back, would you be okay with that? 
He's too busy coaching the XFL. Yeah, no, but let's say after the XFL season, Kirk retires, he comes aboard. Would you be thrilled with that choice? Can I see how he does in the XFL first? Absolutely not. You have to make a choice right now. TBD. We'll come back a year from now and I'll answer this question. You're not answering my question. A hundred percent yes, I would take Bob Stoops. <laughs> it's not even a question. The guy has won national titles. I mean, What about a, Urban Meyer? He's a great coach. Urban Meyer in a heartbeat. He could have a goddamn heart attack on the sideline. I don't care. I'd still take him. Just have a Jerry Kill on the sideline? I have, yeah. I have one more painful Iowa question for you guys that came from the solid verbal this week. Wisconsin, are they more likely to lose to Minnesota or Iowa? Wisconsin? Yes. If they had to lose a game on their schedule that's not Ohio State, is that loss more likely to come versus Iowa or versus Minnesota? Neither of them. Wisconsin's going to outscore both of them by like triple digits. Okay, you're not you're not you're not, not answering my question, Champ. What's your answer? <laughs> it's not fun, is it? I still don't believe in Minnesota. I don't care that they're six and zero. I still don't believe in them. So I will say they there is a bigger chance for them to lose to Iowa. I agree with that. And I think we're right back. We're get, we're building that positivity. We're, we're going to end on a high note here, guys. Oh, geez, one cherries. more quick, 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 quick one. I promise. Do we, what has to happen for Iowa to still win the Big Ten West? Do either of you know? This win is out. all that has to happen. It's not even difficult. Uh, Wisconsin has to lose to Ohio State, which they most likely will. And then Nate Stanley, your boy Brian Ferentz, and the fucking offense needs to go to Camp Randall and beat Wisconsin. And then they're in the goddamn Big well, they Ten need, Championship. They need to win out too, Jim. Well, that is a given. I think they're going to win out uh, the rest of those games. They need to go to Wisconsin and win. And then we can, we'd can we have an entire different narrative of not only Nate Stanley, but of this Iowa season. And at Minnesota, too. God. So you're saying there's a it's chance. It's not at Minnesota. It's at home against Minnesota. No, Wisconsin plays at Minnesota. Oh, Wisconsin. I thought you meant Iowa. For the I'm Paul sorry. Bunyan Axe. Oh, I'm gotcha. sorry. You are correct. I'm sorry. I was going to win the Big Ten West, though. That's the way to end the show, there baby. There he goes. Now he's And we're back. Back onto the bandwagon. Petrus is going to come in go. this week and start slinging the rock around the field. We literally said nothing to give us this excitement back, but we just we just feel it. <laughs> I mean, why not? I'm excited about this game against Purdue. I hope the offense can score two touchdowns. That would excite me. At the end of the day, just like all of you, we still love this team and this university, and it, we want them just to be the best they can be. We're I just verified that your your stats are correct, that Tanner Morgan has thrown for more passing yards than Justin Fields. I still didn't believe you. I had to look it up, and you are correct. Why would I, I just lie? I second my apology for a second time. Thanks, Stat Boy. No problem. All right, we are, we are brainwashed here. We're going to end things this week. Reminder, guys, give us a call on the voicemail line during the Purdue game. Whether things go poorly, things go great, join in the bandwagon and still win the Big Ten West. 224-661-0909. Hit us up on Twitter during the game, at Shy People's Champ, at Jerry Sherwin. I'm at Dave Cray. We will talk to you guys again next week. Go Hawks! Go Hawks. Pre-order those Big Ten West champion shirts, baby. Trick or treat, Iowa City. If you don't love it, leave it. USA, number one.